So, morning everyone. I'll start officially now. I'm all set, everything's in front of me and my water's there. Okay. Um, so, this morning, um, the title of my message is I Believe, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But um, recently, we had a couple of people from a certain religious group um, knocked on our door. I won't name them, but you can probably guess. Um, I was not the one to answer that morning. Um, But I heard how the conversation unfolded um, and my husband explained very early on that we were Christians and that we regularly attended church, um, which eventually led quite early on in the conversation to one question from them, and that was, so what do you believe? And I was making lunch in the kitchen at the time, um, and just at the point where they asked Rob that question, the kettle came to the boil and I didn't hear his answer, but I'm sure it was brilliant. So I say, I'm sure it was, you know, inspired by the Lord in that moment. But I say, kettle starts boiling and I didn't hear a word of it. But I was standing in the kitchen going, what if they asked me that? What would I say in that moment? Been a Christian a long time, but I'm thinking if someone just asked me on my doorstep, what do you believe? What would I say? And as I was preparing for today, I thought I had one sermon in my head ready to get down on paper, but I couldn't get away from this question. What do you believe? What do you believe? And I felt the Lord say, that's what I want you to talk about this morning, and I want you to testify why you believe what you believe. And again, that's maybe a word we don't use a lot in church these days, testifying, giving testimony. Um, But I know I remember growing up in church in the days where a Sunday night meeting in the church I grew up in, people would just stand up and they would testify to what the Lord had done in their lives either in that week or longer term or whatever it may be but testimony was commonplace in those days and I say that was what I felt the Lord say for this morning what do you believe? get up on that platform and testify so that's what I'm going to do this morning and obviously I've had the privilege of being able to think a little longer than Rob had that day on the doorstep as well Um, And I'm going to expand on certain parts today as well with scripture again, which I wouldn't do if I was actually just speaking to someone one-on-one. However, I am still going to start with the first thing that popped into my head in the kitchen that morning as the kettle was boiling next to me and the toaster was popping and everything else was happening. And that was, I believe the Lord created the heavens and the earth and that the whole of creation testifies to the glory of God and it testifies to intelligent design by an intelligent designer. That is what I believe. Psalm 19, 1-2 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. And Romans 1, 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. A wonderful creation. And I can think of many examples. And unfortunately, this isn't one of my pictures. I just stole that off the keynote template because it was there. But again, you know, I'm sure we can all think of wonderful places that we've been even in our own country here in Scotland. And they just take your breath away. And you just think, what a creation. And I say that speaks to me of intelligent design. I can think of one other very recent example for me that cements that thought further in my mind. So I want to ask you a question. 
what am I? I am beautiful to look at as I change the landscape. Children love to play in me, but adults generally hate to drive in me. What am I? Snow, snow. So I have this book that I've had for a little while now, and it's called The Snowflake Winter Secret Beauty. In fact, let me flash up some images before I forget as well. Now, just look at that. I hope you can see them all right up there, and they're not too bad a size. Snowflakes, pictures of snowflakes, and this book is full of them, along with some explanations that go along with them. And I just want to read this morning just a little excerpt from the dust jacket, actually, of the book. And it says, The snowflake is a fleeting, mysterious work of nature's art that has long fascinated humans. The first medieval scientists to examine snowflakes were so astounded by their remarkable symmetry that they wondered if these ice crystals might even have souls. In the late 1880s, Vermont farmer Wilson Bentley focused his camera on these crystals and pursued a lifelong devotion to catalogue snowflakes. Now Caltech physicist Kenneth Liebricht chronicles the creation of the simple snow crystal, noting that even today, at the beginning of the 21st century, we cannot fully explain how snowflakes are created. The mystery remains unsolved. And I say, I just had to show those pictures this morning and, and read that little bit from the book. The mystery remains unsolved. It's actually not much of a mystery to me. The science of it might be, but we have an intelligent designer, a wonderful creator and powerful creator who created the heavens and the earth. And even the simple snowflake testifies to the glory of God because they are amazing, perfect in their symmetry and all different. And you know, creation, if you read the story in Genesis of creation, it builds and builds to a crescendo as the Lord creates greater and greater works of art until he gets to the pinnacle of that crescendo, mankind created in his very own image. And ladies, in particular this morning, I'm pleased to say that we are the crown of creation because he created man and he still thought, I need something else. And with one... With one final flourish, along we came. And I can't take credit for that little note either, though, because it comes from the book Captivating, which I love and can highly recommend. But yeah, in Captivating, they say, ladies, stand tall because you are the crown of creation. One final flourish. So that leads me on to my next belief. I believe we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139. 13 to 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And again, I'll get to come back to a very live example for me. (laughs) My beautiful girl in here. So, again, testifying to intelligent design this morning. Six weeks into my pregnancy, my baby already had a heartbeat, even though she was only the size of a lentil. 
All of my baby's major organs, including heart, lungs, kidneys, brain and intestines, were formed and fully functional by 10 weeks. And by the end of the first trimester, at 13 weeks, my baby had her own unique fingerprints. Intelligent design by an intelligent designer. I believe the Lord created the heavens and the earth. It's not some cosmic accident. I believe that the Lord is King of kings and Lord of lords and the only true God. And as it says in Psalm 24 and 1, I believe that the earth is still the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. In spite of all the mess, all the terrorism, everything that at times must, we just, it drives us to despair and we think there's no hope left. Sometimes that's how it feels. We need to remember the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and he is still on the throne. He's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he's not given up his throne to anyone. And I believe that that same power that created the heavens and the earth, that parted the Red Sea for Moses and raised Christ from the dead is the same yesterday, today and forever and is available to us now. I came across a song on the radio this week on Christian radio and it was a Natalie Grant song which has been around for a, a couple of years but I'd actually never heard it before and it's called King of the World and the chorus of that song says when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world how could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world you know, I want to say this morning, let's not, in 2018, or any year, make our God small. He's not small. He's the king of the world. And if my son was here with me, he'd be saying, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. <laughs> and that's exactly how he sings it, let me tell you. You're left and no doubt his God is mighty. But you know, it's true. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I believe that the Bible reads like a love story and demonstrates that God is love and never gives up on his people. And as you see that, especially right through the Old Testament, you know, People mess up time and time again and God gives them chance after chance and he produces miracle after miracle and, you know, leading people through the Red Sea and everything and they still get to a point where they walk away and they worship other gods and you're like, oh, but God still says they are my people, I love them and gives them chance after chance and continues to pursue his people right through the Old Testament. Then just at the point where God could have given up and said, right, you've really made a mess of it and I'm fed up with you now. He gave us the greatest gift ever, just at that point, that he could have said, enough is enough. And he sent his son Jesus in human form as a baby to teach us how to live, to teach us how to love, and to give his life for us, to pay the price for our mistakes, not for his own. And it's through the cross this morning that I can testify that I have freedom. It's through the cross that I can shed the chains that can bind me at times and bind all of us. 
And some people might remember when I did speak on the cross before and I did actually wrap myself up in chains that morning as a live example. And you know, the same still applies. Some of those chains thankfully have gone for good and some of them sometimes start creeping back round and binding me up a bit. And you know, self-image can be one of those for me, I'll confess this morning. I say thankfully nowhere near as bad as it was in the past. Because the Lord does break the chains, but sometimes little bits creep in and you have to remind yourself. But you know, that thing about looking in the mirror and liking what you see. That thing about being valued and knowing that your values in God and not anything in our circumstances. Through the cross, we know that it is finished, it says in God's word. It was done. And just when we think we've reached the end of us at times and the end of our tether and our circumstances and we don't know where to go, it's just the beginning of him because of the cross and the resurrection. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to strive for our salvation. And by his wounds, we can be healed. And I believe that Jesus died and on the third day rose again. And that even after he ascended, he's ascended into heaven. But I believe that one day he's coming back again. And all those who believe, not just a select few, but all those who believe and have called on the name of Jesus and acknowledged him as Lord shall spend eternity with him at that point. And I believe there is still power in the name of Jesus this morning. In fact, that reminds me, where did Lindsay go to? She's right in front of me. I don't know what song you had to finish with, Lindsay, but I found that what a wonderful name. It is powerful this morning. And I say, I'm not going to tell you to sing it again if you've got an even better one at the end. So I'm not going to dictate that way. But at the same time, I say, that song's perfect for what I'm speaking on this morning. So, you know... But thank you for singing it anyway, even if we only sing it once. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I believe there's still power in the name of Jesus. Romans 10:13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Not the select few, not the perfect, not just the men, not just the women. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's not age-specific either. I just felt prompted to say that for some reason this morning as well. It's not gender-specific or age-specific. Anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I believe there's power in the name of Jesus to save. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus still to heal. Acts 3, 1-9. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the name of Jesus. And I tell you, it's very difficult for me to read that last wee bit without wanting to sing it. I'm bringing it all the Sunday school hits this morning, haven't I? Walking and leaping and praising God. So, and all the young ones are like, what's she on this morning? I am that old. Okay. So, I believe there's still power in the name of Jesus to bring life. John 20, 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And again, it didn't just stop at the life, it said life in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I would say this morning as well, if you want a little boost in that as well, and you want a little laugh as well, because the video is quite funny, um, about there still being power in the name of Jesus, I recommend that you um, go into YouTube and you search for um, Samuel Rodriguez, um, Politically Correct Prayer, it's called, and it's from the James Dobson Awakening. Um, and I say, it's very funny, although you might not keep up with him at times because he speaks very, very fast, and that's from a Scottish person. However, you will definitely get the meaning at the end. And I say it's a very good video, actually, if you just want a boost that says there is still power in the name of Jesus. So, yeah, in line with what I've just said about the power to heal, <coughs> I believe in the miracles this morning. And I believe that God is faithful and he keeps his promises to never leave us or forsake us. But, or however, maybe that's a a nicer word than but, however. Life is not always easy. And even scripture tells us that. We're not promised an easy life as Christians. We're not immune from life's trials. But as I say, I believe that God is faithful in the midst of all trials and he keeps his promises and he's always with us and I suppose to give some examples to that and to testify as I've been instructed to do this morning I could give many examples of this actually in trials of life even personal or family or whatever but I'll just give a couple this morning I have sat in a doctor's office and heard the words that lump's probably benign, we're not sure, and you know, but we think so. Chances are, you know, probabilities and all that. And then gone back a while later after surgery to find out, well, actually, it was malignant. So I've heard that C word. I'm looking to others if you know that C word as well. Now, again, I can testify this morning, though, thankfully, by the grace of God, that mine was operable. So I do not put myself in the same category as others who have suffered far greater than me. However, I testify to the fact, though, that in that, I learned so much about myself and about my dependence and relationship with the Lord. And there was good came out of that situation. And I say, and thankfully as well, yeah, he did use the doctors to remove it all. And I'm blessed in that sense. 
But yeah, we do have treasure, as the Bible says, in jars of clay. And I remember that being the scripture verse the Lord gave me at the time. And I remember very clearly as well him actually showing me the image of the fact that you can see the visible crack in my pot. Because it was, you know, so I've got the visible scar. But again, I've grown to actually quite like this because at times where I maybe do forget how faithful the Lord is, I can look in the mirror and I can see there's the crack in my pot. But if anything, it just lets the glory shine out because I have this treasure within me and fragile vessel. But you know, sometimes the story doesn't turn out the way we want it to either, in the sense that sometimes the healing doesn't come the way we would like. And sometimes our, yeah, our loved ones are not restored to full health, not this side of heaven anyway like we would want. And, you know, that was the case with my dad. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that this morning because I actually think as well that some of that's not my testimony to share. It actually belongs to my mum. But, you know, the one thing I do want to testify to, there was, there was miracles along the way. I see, maybe not the ultimate one that we would have all liked at the time. But, again... When the doctor said, we don't understand why your heart's still beating after heart attack number two, God in his mercy said, well, I know, and you're going to get many more years. And that's how it happened. And I see it wasn't always easy years, and there was suffering along the way and touching go bits and stuff. But again, the Lord was faithful, and he honoured my dad's request, which was to see his family settled. So the Lord did his bit. Because I believe God is faithful. And he keeps his promises to never leave us or forsake us. But you know, the other bit I feel led to touch on this morning. And this is the bit I've been up praying about since three o'clock this morning, believe it or not, because I'm still like, Lord, are you sure you want me to say this? Anyone that's ever preached on a platform probably know there tends to be always be one little bit in a sermon. Do you find that, Stevie, where you're just a bit unsure if you've heard right and you're a bit nervous about it? Everything else you're sort of okay with. This is the bit this morning. And again, I'm a bit nervous because it's a tangent. It's not actually part of the body of my sermon this morning. But, you know, I felt prompted for the last few days, actually, before I move on to what else I believe, just to touch on grief just for a little minute. And Stevie did a fantastic sermon last year on grief and how we do not grieve as those without hope, or no hope, sorry, would grieve. And I'm not going to go over that and I couldn't even do it justice that Stevie did. But again, if anyone wants to hear that or didn't hear it or wants to hear it again, then I really recommend that you podcast it or get it from Sound Team or whatever. But, you know, I've been, well, I've been in church my whole life. And I've heard, especially recently, I had a conversation with a Christian once who felt very guilty that they were feeling grief over the loss of a loved one because why should they feel this pain when they knew their loved one was in heaven? I've seen the other side as well of people speaking to those that are grieving. And again, 
We're not trying to be insensitive or anything like that, but again, feel like it should be easier somehow because you know your loved one's going to be with the Lord. And this is a bit I feel prompted to say this morning. We need to cut ourselves and each other some slack when it comes to grief. Don't get me wrong this morning. The hope of heaven is fantastic. And yes, without that, we would be even worse off in our grief if we didn't have that hope of eternity for those who believe. And it does make a difference, but it does not prevent grief or pain for those that are left behind and without hope. And the Lord just wanted me to say very simply this morning, wife, husband, mother, father, son, daughter, brother, sister, you are allowed to grieve. For blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Finally, this morning, I believe in the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Son, through the cross, allows me to have a direct relationship with the Father. Not through a priest, as in the Old Testament, but directly with the Lord. It says, because of the cross, that the curtain was torn in two, and that we can have that direct relationship without a priest going in to the Holy of Holies, making themselves completely clean. We've got that direct relationship. Then, after Jesus ascended to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit for the church to be our guide, our counsellor, teacher and comforter. And we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our times of weakness and prayer, making intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. Father, Son, and Spirit. So in summary this morning, I want to say that God, my Father, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's creator of the universe. He sees the past, the present, and the future. And my life is in his hands this morning. That is God, my Father. Do you know him? Would you like to know him? I believe this morning that Jesus Christ, the Son, is my Saviour. He's my Redeemer. And he's the one who allows me to have a direct relationship with my Heavenly Father. And it is in the name of Jesus, in his name, that I am saved, that I am healed, and that I am given life in all its fullness, free from the chains that could so often bind me. That is my Jesus. Do you know him? Would you like to know him? I'm about to play that Natalie Grant song I referred to earlier. You know, I would like us to do two things this morning. So first of all, it would be remiss of me to stand and testify to the God that I believe in this morning and to his son Jesus and everything that means if I didn't offer the opportunity for anyone who wants to know more about that incredible relationship you can enjoy with God through Jesus and the freedom it can bring to your life. If I didn't allow that opportunity this morning, it would be remiss of me. So as we play this song in the background, 
See, the first thing that you say is, if you want to know more about my Jesus and what that means this morning, then please come to this bit down the front here and some of um, the leaders can join me and we'll, we'll talk to you. They'll say, my God is an incredible God and I'd love to introduce you to him if you don't already know him this morning. Then two, if you're already a Christian in the church this morning, I want to say, again, let's not make our God small. He's the king of the world, as this song's about to say. You know, what mountains or challenges are you facing in 2018? Or indeed, what good things are you facing? What calling has he placed upon your life? Or what tasks has he set before us as a church? And there are many of them in 2018. This is the year of work, people, just to make you all aware. If you haven't already picked up on that little fact, the Lord is telling us to move forward. But you know, it can be daunting doing the good or facing the bad stuff in our own strength. But this morning, if you're in that position, then you bring them before the king of the world this morning. I'm not even asking you to come out the front and bring them before a leader. You bring them before the king of the world because it's him that will give you the strength this morning. You know, we often think, and it's yet another song as well, about how he's got the whole world in his hands. And we get that image of him sort of seeing everything from a great distance. And that is true in the sense that he can see so much more from the Lord's vantage point than we can and everything all at once. But it's even better than that because he exists outside of time. So he doesn't just see the present all at once from a greater vantage point than we do, but he sees the past, the present and the future and he knows how all those pieces are going to be moving and working together. So during this song, if you need to bring some stuff before the king of the world, then you do that this morning.